I'd like to start this episode by apologizing to all my Celtics fans out there. Uh, last week, if you don't remember, if you didn't listen, I predicted that I think the Celtics could have a chance at making a Dark Horse Finals run out of the Eastern Conference. And say it ain't so, news breaks the other day, Jalen Brown out for the season with a torn ligament in his left wrist. And then they lose a game against the Heat tonight. It's not looking good for the Celtics, so I don't know if the Hendo curse is real, but my bad, y'all. Lillard, long range three. Ah, it's good! Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Well, we are back once again. Barbecue chicken alert. What day is it? It's just turned Wednesday on the Eastern Coast, at least. East Coast, best coast. Nah, West Coast is better, I ain't gonna lie. But we just finished watching an amazing game. Lakers versus Knicks. 101-99. Lakers won in overtime. Oh my goodness. Levi, how about that game? Levi, how about that game? That game sucked as a Blazers fan looking for, um, uh, I don't know, a shot at the not going to the play-in tournament. Um, it was a good game. I'm not going to just say it's not. But, um, you know, I feel like most Blazers fans wouldn't be thrilled about the outcome. Uh, but it was a great game, nonetheless. Julius Randle hits it some clutch shots, but ultimately THT had the, what was the dagger it looked like. So, a good game, and, um, you know, it's just fun to, have some good games on some weird nights that when the season is coming down the stretch. All right. Well, let me, let me give our listeners a little background of the game in case, in case they didn't watch and they want some more analysis. Besides it was a good game. It was a good game. Well, the, the Knicks fought hard and mainly two Knicks. I'd say only, only really two Knicks showed up this game. And those are Julius Randall, like you mentioned, and Derek Rose. Randall dropped 31 points, eight rebounds, five assists, off the bench, no, off the bench, five assists on 50% from three, hitting four threes, including a clutch one in overtime that I gave them the lead and I thought could be the dagger. D- Derek Rose, meanwhile, off the bench, dropped 27 points, 10 of 22 shooting, six rebounds, six assists, solid night for D. Rose. The Knicks actually had a chance to win this game. It was tied up. Wesley Matthews hit a tip-in shot to tie up the game with about three seconds left in regulation. Julius Randle had a pretty, not wide open, but he had a pathway to the hoop. He launched up a floater off the glass, but it hit back iron and went out. And then over time, it was the story of Talon Horton Tucker, who knocked down a three-pointer to give the Lakers a two-point lead. And the Knicks had a chance to either tie it up or win the game. R.J. Barrett dribbled out the whole possession. Uh, he was defended well. And launched up a limitless range three. Hit the side of the backboard. Hit the left side of the backboard. Hit, hit the left side of the backboard and didn't even touch rim. So tough, tough loss for the Knicks. Not really anyone showing up, especially R.J. Barrett, who shot 2 of 13 tonight, including 0 for 7 from 3. So not, not the greatest showing from the guy that we're still looking to see some more performances from on the bigger stages. As much as he's improved this year, as much as he's through shooting 40% from three. Got to see some more stuff from R.J. Barrett in these clutch performances. The Knicks could have clinched a playoff spot tonight, 
their first one since 2013, back in the Mellow era. But unfortunately, we'll have to wait until probably the next time they play because the Celtics lost tonight. I don't know what the magic number is off the top of my head, but I'd assume if the Knicks win their next game, they're likely into the playoffs. And with the way the Celtics have been playing without Jalen Brown now, should not have to wait much longer, Knicks fans. Before we move on, Levi, as a neutral viewer of this game, are there any any takeaways or any any key things to any key things that you noticed watching this game? Yeah, you mentioned that Julius Randle and Derrick Rose seem to be doing all the work. Uh, I thought Wesley Matthews had a nice game um, for what he's been worth on the Lakers so far. Andre Drummond continued to look disappointing for the Lakers. Um, but yeah, I think really THT uh, and Anthony Davis were the guys leading the charge here. I saw Alex Caruso went down earlier in the game. He didn't return, it looked like. Um, so I'd advise Lakers fans to keep an eye on that. But on the Knicks side, Randall and Rose were really the key contributors, as you said earlier. I thought Noel had pr- pretty much like an, maybe an above average game for him, but he didn't do that much. Um, but man, just Julius Randall. He should be a um, NBA all first team. Um, I, I think most people would at least somewhat agree with that. Uh, if not first, definitely second team, in my opinion. He's he's led the Knicks to where they are right now at the four seed and uh, just been really off the charts. Solid takes. I definitely agree with you on that Julius Randle point. It'll be fun to cast our all NBA ballots in a uh, soon to come episode. Looking forward to that. Speaking of episodes, let's get on to the main point of this episode. As we wait for the regular season to conclude, Sunday will be the final game, final day of games. All 15 games starting in the early afternoon, which will be a crazy, crazy thing to watch. Hopefully have some playoff scenarios, seeding in play in those remaining games. Make it more exciting to watch. But before we hit that end of the season... Figure that we could take this episode to give some of our hot takes right now, whether it be on playoff teams, championship contenders, etc., etc. And we're just going to do whatever we feel like talking about and give our opinion on each other's stuff. So, Levi, I'll give you the floor, my friend. What do you want to start out with with your hot takes? My first hot take I think that could happen is that the Miami Heat will take down the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs. Okay, okay. The Heat have been doing well recently. Tyler Hero, after about a month's break in injury, I forget what he dropped the other night, but tonight he dropped league, or not league high, uh, team leading 24 points, including 11 rebounds, 4-7 from 3. I mean, Hero's been finally looking good. Didn't have the flashiest start to the season. Jimmy Butler, of course, Playing under the radar, but consistently well. And oh my goodness, man, Bam Adebayo, I think, is possibly my favorite big in the league to watch. Just his shot blocking ability, his dominance in the paint. Dude is stacked. And when you look at the Nets roster, I mean, you got to think about defense. And when you got perimeter players like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, and Hero's a guy who can drive in the paint, who can play and make as well, create his own shot. And Jimmy Butler, especially. A guy who builds his game around slashing and mid-range. And I think the number one question for the Nets, if they do face this Heat team in the first round, who's going to be stopping Bam Adebayo? 
DeAndre Jordan is well past his prime. Blake Griffin is undersized. Well, Bam Adebayo isn't the tallest guy. I think they're about the same height, actually. Um, but what what would you think would be the keys to this Heat team beating the Nets in a first round series if it would happen? Yeah, I think the Heat showed last year what they can bring against a top team. I mean, they were they brought an intensity to the Bucks that the that Milwaukee just couldn't match, and uh, they had really good matchups. I feel like against the Bucks. Um, I mean, it might not be the same against the Nets, but I feel like the Nets are a team that uh, even we haven't seen the full potential of when they've got everyone healthy. Uh, three stars have only played like seven games together. James Harden is probably going to come back one or two games before the playoffs now. It's looking like from his words, but um, that might change, obviously, as medical procedures keep going on. Uh, but I just think this Nets team, um, you know, everyone's saying they're juggernaut, and I, I know why. Durant, Harden, Kyrie. That's really all you need to say. But I think this Heat team, they have experience with um, pulling an upset like they did last year against Boston. Oh, sorry, against Milwaukee and accounting against Boston uh, in the second and third rounds, respectively, of the East tournament. Um, I, I feel like they're a team that just, they have starting to get everyone healthy now. As you said, the heroes coming back. If they can get hot, they can get their shooters hot with Hero, Robinson. I haven't heard from Struess lately, but um, he's a good shooter as well. Uh, Jimmy Butler's been really heating up as well. He's starting the trash talk game again, uh, calling out KAT uh, earlier two days ago, I think. Um, yeah, I just think this team, this Miami Heat team, is coming together to what they were in the bubble, and I think they could possibly, uh, if they get matched up with the Nets, they could take down the Nets. Obviously, you it's the final days of regular season. You're going to have some probably reshuffling, and I'm not guaranteed. There's no guarantee that the Nets will play the Heat, but I think that it's a likely matchup. And I think Miami has a good shot at taking down the um, giant that is the Brooklyn Nets. Fair enough, and I hope we get to see that matchup because I think it would be. One of the more intriguing first-round matchups in the East when you look at the seeding. I mean, of course, Knicks-Hawks is probably going to be entertaining. But when you think about the star power, two teams who have players with playoff experience and finals experience as well, Nets Heat would be a series that I would hope go six or seven. And, of course, if the Heat are going to win that, probably going to have to go that long unless there's some major injuries going on. If we look at the seedings right now, wow, okay. The Heat are actually up to the four seed right now after the Knicks lost tonight. I guess they own the tiebreaker over mm-hmm. the Hawks and Knicks, but likely that the Heat dropped down to, say, the six seed at the worst. So for my first hot take, I'm going to go over to a team that I watch a lot of, and that is the Dallas Mavericks. And recently there's been a guy who, stat-wise, he's usually the best, second-best player on their team. And that is Kristaps Porzingis, but he's been injured. Porzingis has... <laughs> Porzingis has had a uh, a plethora of injury issues throughout his career. And this season, after coming off of the absences in the bubble playoffs, he looked all right. I mean, 20 points a game, nine rebounds a game, two assists, block and a half, shooting about 36% from three. I mean, on paper, Kristaps is a solid player, and he should be a good second option for Luka, but... There's just something about their chemistry. There's been stories coming out. I think Cuban even said himself, like, 
Porzingis and Luca, they don't really have a relationship off the court. And I forget the comparison that I remember. The I think it was Ian Eagle or someone was talking about the comparison that Cuban made, where he's had stars before they didn't really gel, but they still put it together come playoff time. But when I look at this Mavs team playing with just Luca, it kind of reminds me of 2018 Cavs team, where Luca's LeBron. He's surrounded by shooters, but he's also got players who are solid playmakers in their own right, whether it be Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, the similarities to the 2018 Cavs roster are questionable, but I'd say this version, bar Luka being worse than LeBron, the supporting cast without Porzingis is a better version than that 2018 Cavs team. I love Dwight Powell, what he's been doing. Of course, he didn't really look the same after his injury the other season. But he's been he's been performing better. Willie Colley Steins even been showing some glimpses of promise, doing more than just uh missing dunks and getting rebounds. All the hoopla aside, my hot take is that this Mavs team is gonna have more playoff success if Christoph Sporzingis is injured. What do you think about that? Well, that's certainly an interesting take. Um uh I don't know. I think I definitely think the Mavericks have succeeded in games where our Kristaps is not there. Um, I can't remember a lot of games where Kristaps. I don't. I can't remember watching a lot of Mavs games where Kristaps is on the court. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's just a player that I don't think gels well in Dallas. Um, and you know, everyone was expecting these two to be together, and it's just not the right fit. Uh, I mean, I don't. Uh, I think having a player like Kristaps on the court can always help a team. But I, for this team, I just don't know that he fits their system. And I think you might be right about that. Uh, Porzingis is just a guy that has a very specific set of skills and um, employs them. I feel like differently than what Luca and the Mavericks need right now. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a situation where the Mavs could be better off without Porzingis and, uh, have some addition by subtract subtract sub, addition by subtraction. Let me give some more uh, some background to my claims to prove my point a little bit better. I feel like I should have done that before I said my hot take. Um, I think as as we both said, Luca is a very ball dominant player. He likes controlling the offense, and I don't know. Porzingis is a guy who, when you look at him in New York, his three seasons there, including the best in his uh, his career. 2017-18 season. He only averaged about four and a half, five, three points attempted per game. But once he's come to Dallas, 2019-2020 season, seven, three points a game. This year, closer to six. But since it's ACL injury specifically, I don't know. His his game has changed. I didn't watch him a lot in New York, but he seems to be more of a I don't know, more of a pick and pop guy here in Dallas. Whereas in New York, I remember him being more of a post-scoring threat. And specifically in this Mav system where it's very spread the ball around, get shooters open, but let your playmakers control the floor, whether it be Brunson, Doncic, or Hardaway Jr. Porzingis just kind of seems like a stick in the mud. A guy who demands the ball, but can't really create much with it. He's just a scorer, but not a guy... Not a guy like Julius Randle, you know, he's just a guy who can, 
He can pick and pop. He can give you a, a few post moves. But I don't know. He just he doesn't seem to fit the scheme that Rick Carlisle has. Or at least the scheme that's employed when Porzingis isn't on the floor. And he's he's had impressive performances, but I don't know. I feel like Luka is like LeBron. As in, if you're a supporting castmate of LeBron, whether it be AD, whether it be D. Wade, whether it be Kyrie, as good as you can be, you have to fit into that system. You have to know your role as a teammate of LeBron's. And I feel like almost everyone in the Mavs knows how to fit their role when it's Luka controlling the offense and there's no KP on the floor. But when KP comes into the game, when KP's in the lineup, there's just something off about it. And I don't feel like it will work in the future. I'll expect him to be dealt this offseason personally. Whatever Mark Cuban wants to say about him not leaving, there's just something about Porzingis on this Mavs team that doesn't work. And I just, I think, I think Dallas needs to change and I feel like they're better off without him. Whether it be sacrificing skill for chemistry, I just have more trust in this Mavs team. I feel like they're better gelled and more well-rounded without KP on the floor. Okay, okay. Interesting take. Uh, I'll give my second one if you're ready for it. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to say that the Washington Wizards are going to get the eighth seed in the play-in tournament for the um, Eastern Conference. I know this isn't too hot of a hot seat, a hot take. Lukewarm take. Yeah, it's a lukewarm take. But, you know, I still think that Boston's a good team, even when they lost Jalen Brown. And the Hornets, they have Lomelo, they have Gordon Hayward coming back. They're getting hot at just the right time as well. So this Wizards team, though, they have the Westbrook, now the all-time leader in triple-doubles, and they have Bradley Beal, who can score 40 uh, just by handing him a basketball. I mean, this Wizards team isn't perfect, far from it, obviously, but I feel like they're a team that has probably the best likelihood to make a run from that 9 or 10 spot in either conference. And they're the team that I feel like is going to take down one of the Celtics and Hornets and go on to play probably the 76ers in a first-round series. And I think – I mean, I don't think they probably take down the 76ers, but I think I think the game – the series would probably go past – I think it probably go past five games. That's, that's probably the part of the hot take as well. I think the Wizards are going to make a run that – it's not going to be long-lived, but I think it's still going to surprise some people. And I don't know. I just feel like Russ being in Washington wasn't that big of a story before he started doing all these triple-doubles. Like, I feel like people weren't focusing on him and Beal that much in the national spotlight just because they weren't doing well, I guess. That's probably justified. But, um, yeah, I think the Wizards are going to surprise everyone this postseason and make a run that not many people expect. You know, I got to admit, the more I listen to that hot take, the more hotter it kind of seemed in my mind. I mean, the Celtics team, even without Jalen Brown, I mean, they're still a solid team. They got Tatum, they got Marcus Smart, they got Kemba Walker, and I'm not counting them out forever, but I do think with the way Westbrook's been playing recently, recently, as well as Beal, I mean, uh, hamstring injury aside, he was on track to 
at least be neck and neck with Steph with a scoring title going down to the final game. But now probably is going to get go to Steph just because of that injury that forced Beal out of a uh, is going to force Beal out of a game. But the Wizards, Wizards, this Wizards team has really been gelling recently. Whether it be Daniel Gafford kind of coming into his own as a center, whether it be Rui Hachimura getting more minutes and kind of being under the radar as a sophomore in the NBA. Davis Bertans finding his stroke from behind the line, behind the three-point line. A little side note on that. Commentators use the verb stroke way too much talking about three-point shots in the NBA. I need to calm down on that, man. We don't need to hear about every guy having a really nice stroke of the game. You're like 60 years old. Understand some context clues, buddy. But I, I would agree with you that I think this this Wizards team, I don't know if it's all, call them a lock for the eight seed, but if the Celtics win over the Hornets, which that'll be a fun game, I think the Celtics still would win that, but they are kind of reeling right now, so who knows. But this Wizards team, whether it be Beal or Westbrook leading the charge in either of those games, it's going to be some high-scoring affair, and I would love to see them against a team like the Sixers. Kind of reminds me of that Westbrook-led Thunder team that took the Rockets to, I want to say, five games, maybe six. I think it was five, though. Um, but those series always feel longer just because Russ finds a way to come in clutch in crunch time, extend the game on a little bit longer. He had that one play against the Rockets where Steven Adams intentionally missed the free throw against the front of the rim, and then he passed it back after Russ, who hit a three from the logo, it seemed like, who got the game from like a, a four-point game to a one-point game. I think they ended up losing that, but I don't know. There's something about Russ in the playoffs, even though he hasn't really had much success since 2016. He's just exciting to watch, and he can carry his team to look more promising than they really should be in reality. So I'll give him that. I respect that take. All right, for this next hot take, I'm going to give you the honors of giving me any playoff contending team, and I'll give you a hot take for him. So fire away, my friend. Let's do... Ooh, let's do... Let's do your hometown team, the Atlanta Hawks. Hmm. All right. I'll give you a hot take for this Atlanta Hawks team. I think whether it be... It was tough. Just because the Heat being the four seed now is messing with my mind because it's hard for heat me the, to pick any team over heat, the Heat in a first-round matchup. Heat are, the, heat are the five seed right now. Sorry, I totally interrupted you. Keep going. No, I'm I'm just thinking. No, I'm not mad or anything. I'm just thinking. All right. If the Hawks can stay at either the four or five spot, I'm going to say they beat the Heat or Knicks in six games, and they take the Sixers to seven games in the second round. I think this Hawks team is one of the most underrated groups of players in the league. I mean, Trey Young has been form- performing well since the All-Star break. Trey Young has been performing pretty well since the All-Star break. DeAndre Hunter has also been stepping up. Um, unfortunately, Cam Reddish is pretty much out for the season, it looks like. But DeAndre Hunter is finally back in the lineup. He's been averaging about 15.5 points a game this year, along with five rebounds, two assists. Kevin Herter, one of the most underrated players in the league. You know, he's only 22. He's the same age as Trey Young, and I feel like he's been on this team for like five months. Clint Capella also, he's the league leader in rebounds. He averages almost more rebounds than he does points per game. 15 points, 14 and a half rebounds. John Collins as well. I mean, when you look at their stats, they got one, two, three, four, five players averaging more than 15 points a game, as well as Danilo Gallinari, a solid rotational piece, averaging 
41% from three this year. Lou Williams coming in off of that L.A. trade where Rondo went to the Clippers. He's averaging 10 points a game as well as 43% from three. This team is a solid mesh of veterans, young players, and rotational, consistent, proven players and their high 20s to low 30s, whether it be Gallinari, Bogdanovich, Solomon Hill, or Tony Snell, although those guys don't get that many minutes. And the rise of Bogdan Bogdanovich, especially recently, whether it be with Trey Young being out, I mean, he averaged something like 23, 24 points a game across that stretch of Trey Young being out, of Trey being out. Nate McMillan has proven the Pacers wrong with the Nate Bjorken story coming out recently. I mean, he's been coaching his head off. He's a coach of the year candidate. It'll probably go to Tom Thibodeau at this point, but I mean, I'd be tempted to give a ballot to Nate McMillan for what he's done with his Hawks team. I think this is uh this is the season where Trey Young, he's kind of been forgotten about. I mean, you'll still see you'll still see a post about him every now and then on House of Highlights, Bleacher Report, or Barbecue Chicken Alert at BBQCHX Alert on Instagram. Latest NBA news, highlights, clips, graphics, and throwbacks. But I think this is the playoffs. I think these are the moments. This is Trey Young's first playoff series. This is Trey. Trey. This will be Trey Young's first playoffs. And I think this is the stage where he proves himself as one of the elite point guards in the league, one of the elite players in the league. And this Hawks team is going to win the first round series, like I said, gain some respect, and give the Sixers a run for the money in that second round. What do you think about that? Uh. You know, I think the Hawks getting a first round win, series win, isn't that um, unexpected. They've had a good year, especially a good second half of the year. Uh, they have a lot of shooters that can light it up, especially Bogdan Bogdanovich. I might just be biased saying that from that Portland game last week, but man, you guys can shoot. Uh, not you guys, <laughs> the Hawks can shoot, um, especially headlined by Trey Young, who is. Uh, was originally heralded as the next Steph Curry, and while I don't think he might l- live up to that moniker, he's certainly a player to watch out for. But uh, in this postseason, you know, you're most likely going to look at the Hawks going up in the first round against a team like Miami or the Knicks, which, uh, you know, I think can it would be for fun first round series, and I certainly think the Hawks have a good chance of winning that. Uh, I'd say it's either 50-50 in each of either of those matchups for these teams. Um, but when you go past that, um, I, I don't, I don't think I'd agree with them getting, dragging a team to seven games, like you said. But I, I definitely think they give them a challenge, and uh, maybe, maybe a six game series would be uh, closer to that, in my opinion. But it, you know, six or seven is pretty much arbitrary. Uh, I think the Hawks could definitely bring a first round win, and uh, just beyond that, I think it's all the chance, really, in my opinion. It'll be fun to watch. One of the things I like about this Hawks team is their offense is really fast-paced. And whether it be scoring in transition or getting guys like John Collins open on pick and rolls of the hoop and go up for the slams. Even Onyeka Akongwu, who has not seen a lot of action this year. But when you look at his per 36-minute stats, 13 points a game, 9 rebounds a game, Two blocks a game. The dude's solid. He's shooting about 64% from the field. One of the most efficient part 36 players on this Hawks team. 
I want to see that guy get some more minutes over the next few seasons. While I don't see him, while I don't expect him to get much action come playoffs time, this Hawks team, they got a lot of shooters. They got a lot of dunkers. They're an exciting team to watch. And while I'm not a big Hawks fan or a Hawks fan at all, I got to say, it's always fun going to a game at State Farm Marina because you're going to be entertained by whether it be Trey Young, John Collins, or any other random assortment of players. Shout out Kevin Herter. He's got to be one of the only current active white red hair dudes in the league right now, and he's balling out. We love you, Kevin. Yeah. All right. I'll give my uh, last hot take, and then we can do yours. All right. Let me intro you. Sound good. All right. Well, enough about ATL. As we cap off this uh, this interlude episode, shout out J Cole. The off season streaming Friday. Check out the track interlude dropped the other day. So we cap off this interlude episode. You know another interlude? Basketball highlights. Check them out on at BBQCHXAlert on Instagram. Great account. Go follow it. Levi, enough of my plugs. Give me your last hot take for this episode. I'll make it spicy. Extra sauce. Extra lemon pepper. Um, I don't know how spicy this is. Like, just blasphemous as Stephen A. Smith would say, but my final hot take isn't going to be particularly about a team beating another team, but I'm going to say that Paul George will outplay his Clippers counterpart Kawhi Leonard in this postseason. Uh, We obviously all saw how pandemic P was being made fun of last year in the playoffs and how Kawhi had to basically do most of the stuff on his own. And even in game seven, Kawhi didn't look great, but with Kawhi's previous playoff success, he has two finals MVPs, obviously. Uh, I think that he's a player that you expect great greatness from in the playoffs, and you expect him to lead his team to victory no matter what. But I don't know. Pen- Paul George has been just playing really well the past few months. He's a great three-point shooter now, nowadays on the Clippers, and he's just been he's been a lot better than he looked in the bubble. So... I think that no matter who they play, first round, second round, if they make it to the conference finals, I think that Paul George is going to outplay his Clippers counterpart, Kawhi Leonard, and I think he's going to be the better player uh, against whoever they face in the first round. What are your thoughts on that, Ethan? I respect that. I think PG-13, I love the dude. (laughs) I don't know if I've said that previously, but I've forgiven him for him leaving the Pacers. That franchise is so sad, so sorry. Kevin Pritchard, sell the damn team, man. You suck. Herb Simon, wait. Kevin Pritchard is the GM. Herb Simon, you suck. Sell the damn team, man. Nate Bjorken, you need to go. Sabonis, go somewhere where you're going to have good playoff success. You're too good of a player to be in Indiana. Miles Turner, you're full of yourself. You should have been traded three seasons ago. Malcolm Brogdon, you sound like Obama, and you seem like a pretty good dude, so I'll respect you for that. But you're putting up 20 points a game. Miami should have paid you. Milwaukee should have paid you. This this is a Clippers hot take, not a Pacers diss. I don't care. Karis Levert, you're too young and too talented to be in Indiana. Get out. Doug McDermott, go back to Creighton. You can shoot, but you can't really do anything else. Uh, Who else is on that Pacers team? Oh, I was paid for Zet. Dude, you look like a promising young star. Go back to Toronto where you actually have a solid chance of performing well in a few years 
in the play, of, of performing well in the playoffs in a few years. What about Gogo Badazzi? What's your take on that? Gogo, you've been a bust since day one. House of Highlights shouldn't post <laughs> that picture of you next to Zion. There was never any chance that you were going to amount more than a six and five player every night of the week. Who else we got left? Is Larry Bird um, still work? Does Larry Bird still work there? He's like a partial ownership. I have no okay. no bad things to say about Larry Bird. He's one of the most underrated players of all time. Dude is the most legendary trash what? talker of all time. No, that's definitely KG. You're wrong on that. Nah. You got to look up some of those Larry Bird trash talking stories. Anyways, back to PG-13. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, most respect for him. And I want him to do well. But there's something that's telling me that this Clippers team is going to lose in the first round. And that's my hot take for today's episode to finish it off. Whether it be the Mavericks, whether it be the Nuggets, I don't know why. There's just something about this Clippers team that I just don't see them putting together come playoffs. The Mavericks chemistry has been insane. The Nuggets too. It would be so hilarious if the Nuggets beat the Mavericks, if the Nuggets beat the Clippers two years in a row in the playoffs, this year without Jamal Murray. And with the way this team has been looking recently, I mean, they're almost unstoppable. Of course, they lost to AD. But when you look at the Clippers, I mean, Serge Ibaka has been dealing with some injuries. Zubac isn't the most dominant big while well, he's been playing well this year. I don't think the, the Nuggets have to worry about someone like AD to guard on the uh, on the Clippers. They have effective wing defenders. Not the best, but I mean, they did it last year. Who's to say they can't do it again? I just, I got this gut feeling. I wanted to pick this Clippers team to the finals. But with AD dominating, by the way, we didn't really talk about that a lot. AD has been insane. It's kind of locked down by Julius Randle tonight, but he jumped like 42, 15, and 7 the other night. Something like that. Crazy stat line. AD's been carrying his Lakers team. Who, like you said, they could sneak into that 60. Portland could drop down. Portland's playing the Jazz, the Suns, and the Nuggets. The Lakers are playing the Rockets. And then two other teams, I forget. But they're they're easier than those Blazers games I mentioned. But I don't know. This Clippers team, there's just something about them that I... I just can't picture them making the finals. Like, I got so many scenarios in my head. I can see the Suns in the finals, but there's something about the Clippers teams where I'm like, there's something about this Clippers team where I'm like, nah, that just isn't a reality. I'm Doctor Strange looking into the future and all those 14 million outcomes. There isn't one where this Clippers team makes the playoffs. <laughs> there isn't one where this Clippers team makes the finals, so... I'll leave you with that, my friend. Any any parting words on this uh this hot take sesh before we this hot take sesh? Any parting words on this uh this hot take sesh before we uh part ways for this episode? I think you're wrong about the Clippers. I think they do have a good chance to go to the finals, but um I guess we can just agree to disagree. And uh yeah, it was a fun hot take shorter episode. Fair enough. Um, Looking forward to the next one. Because you know what that is. The end of the regular season. Next time we talk to you, we'll be talking about that playing tournament. And the next time after that, we'll be filling out our playoff brackets, man. It's gonna be exciting. Any uh any any crazy predictions about these last few uh games of the year? 
Where do you think your Blazers can end up if you had to put money on it? Uh, if I had to put money on it, I'd probably bet that it's a play-in uh, team just because of the difficulty of schedule. Portland has to play in the last three games. But, yeah, I don't know. They could pull against, you know, the Suns maybe. Maybe a home win against Denver. Um, save the guy's house. You need at least two wins to do it. Yeah, tough, tough stretch, but... I mean, they've they've won eight of their last nine, I think, which is very well compared to the streak they had before that. I remember we talked about that, but I'm excited. I'm excited for, man, playoff basketball is less than a week away if you count the play-in tournament, which I do. It's going to be some fun times, my friend, and I'm looking forward to talking about it on this podcast very soon. But as we conclude this week's episode, for this episode, we'll be back very soon. Just want to plug the podcast one more time. Just want to plug the Instagram one more time at BBQCHX Alert. Latest NBA news, highlights, throwbacks, graphics, banter, and more. Daily Instagram story polls, daily Instagram story debates. And hey, you might see a few uh, a few snazzy pictures of Levi if you sneak around the account. You know, the nooks and crannies. What? You'll have to find out, my friends. If you're listening, go find those pictures of Levi. And if you like the podcast, if you enjoy it, Whatever platform you're listening on, we're on a lot of them. Subscribe and leave us a good rating, you know. We appreciate all the support. We hit over 150 listens. We hit over 150 total listeners the other day. So one of our first major milestones. Looking forward to the future ones. Levi, any any parting words of wisdom? Any parting words of encouragement for your Blazers team before we call this quits? Nah, it's just uh, getting ready for the playoffs, as we say every week. We'll be there soon, compadres. Amen. Well, until next time, y'all, it's been your boy and your other boy. We'll see you soon. Peace out.